Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Night, Hall versus Silva, and Shaq is going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're back at the Apex, and this time we got the return of the legend, Anderson the Spider Silva. And interestingly enough, he's taking on a guy in Uriah Hall who a lot of people said was a young Silva at one point. So now uh, idols become rivals. You already know the deal. If Uriah Hall can get this win, biggest win of his career by far. And Anderson Silva plans to get a dub and put those gloves in the center of the octagon. Man, I don't know, man. From the sounds of it, he he might want to keep fighting. You know, uh, I heard he's got other... uh other interests as well. So, you know, Uriah Hall, he's one of the more uh, scarier middleweights, in, you know, in the world. I mean, this guy, we know what he's capable of. We know that he's got devastating knockout power. We've seen flashes of it here and there, just never the consistency. And now he gets a chance to go up against his former idol, uh, you know, Anderson's uh, the Spider Silva. I mean, we already know what this guy brings to the table. We, you know, growing up when I first started watching the sport, you know, Anderson was the dude that was like untouchable, man. You know, it was like, you know, every time he, he was going to fight, I mean, you just knew somebody was going to get knocked out. Somebody was going to get embarrassed. Like my boy, Forrest Griffin, no shame. I mean, you know, Anderson is one of the goats. So, uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm glad to see him back. He is getting up there in age, possibly the last time we see him in the UFC. I mean, if he gets a win, why not keep going? You know what I'm saying? But uh, but I, I'm excited. Man, I mean, when you read the accolades uh, that Anderson Silva brings to the table, he's got the longest title reign in UFC history, the longest win streak in UFC history. Now, officially... I know John Jones might have something to say about that longest win streak, but you know he had that bullshit loss against Matt Hamill, plus one of his fights was overturned. So in the books, Anderson's got the longest win streak in UFC history at 16. He's also got uh, the most uh, successful title defenses in UFC history, but that's also another controversial one because Travis Luter actually missed weight, which cost Anderson that record, and DJ has it, but they should be tied if it was if Travis Luter made weight, and it's funny because nowadays, if one guy misses weight for a title fight and the other guy makes it, it's still a title fight for the guy that made weight, but back in the day, if someone uh, missed weight, it would be considered a non-title bout, so he kind of got fucked over uh, of that record, but he's got the most finishes in UFC middleweight history he's got the most finishes in ufc title fights most knockdowns in ufc history most knockdowns in ufc title fights and most knockouts in ufc title fights so anderson silva is a hall of famer anderson silva is a legend and it'd be nice to see him go out on a win saturday night shack yeah 100 percent, man uh like we said man anderson i mean anderson was basically was a god coming up man i mean it was like i mean you can't touch that dude you know it's it's crazy because I actually predicted that Weidman would be the be the dude that uh, beat him that first time, just because you know remember that when uh, Chris Weidman fought Mark Munoz and like put him in the ground and you know he looked amazing that night. But man, uh, you know it hasn't been good since then. But hey, man, every time he fights, it's, it's an occasion, man. So you gotta just uh, enjoy it. For sure. Well, we're going to get down to business here in a sec, but first we got to mention support for half the battles brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Shaq, I mean, you already know the deal when you're using these fucking rinky ass dink, you know, these rinky dink blades and you can cut yourself. You can see some blood on the ground. You got to do some guessing work. But those days are long gone, my man, because uh, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineered 
team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium because the battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can shave longer. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light. Check this shit out. See that fucking LED light? So this takes away all the guesswork because uh, the LED light, it illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. And they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. So let's get that bush to tush clean. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. All caps. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BATTLE20 with all caps. Your balls will thank you, Shaq. 100%, man. I, I, I actually swear by these products, man, like straight up. I mean, I mean, I know I, I see the difference, you know, talking to you. I know you I know you say you see the difference. So, I mean, and, and I wouldn't just I wouldn't be out here saying this, man, because I, I call people out when they when I uh, when I feel like it's bullshit. But man, this is a uh, 100% legit. You know, uh, it, it makes a big difference, man. And in this holiday season, man, so you know you gotta you gotta look after your lady, man, and 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 you know stay, and stay and stay groomed and clean down there. I mean, dude, like now that you've been using it for a full week, I mean, how happy you've been with the with the results? I've been I've been I've been very happy with the results, bro. I mean, I, I got nothing but good things to say. I would never say a bad thing about Manscaped, man. Everything, I mean, you know, when you see these commercials and, and you see, and, and you know, a lot of times you think, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. But, you know, when I actually when I actually had to, uh, you know, test it for myself, man, I was like, okay, man, I'm probably going to, you know, keep getting these things, man, even if, uh, you know, I didn't have that 20% off. Yeah, and just real quick for all the fans, so obviously, you know, get hooked up with that 20% off plus free shipping with the code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20. But we're going to take it a step further. If you go ahead and buy from manscaped.com with the code BATTLE20, send us a screenshot of your order with that code. Make sure you use that code BATTLE20. And if you do that, you send us a screenshot, we'll match whatever you paid uh, with uh, with a best five picks package. So you go out there, you spend uh, 39 bucks, we got you on this week's event. You go out there, you spend 50 bucks, we got you on the next two. You spend 100 bucks, we got you on the month. You spend over 100 bucks, we got you for the rest of the year. So just make sure you take a screenshot using that promo code BATTLE20 and we'll hook you up at bestfivepicks.com so you get the best of both worlds. Your balls will thank you, your bank account will thank you, she'll thank you, and uh, it's a good deal. So Shaq, Let's get right down to business because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Miles Johns. He's 10-1, and one, and Kevin Natividad is 9-1. and one. Currently, they got Miles Johns minus 155. The comeback on Kevin Natividad is plus 135. So this is interesting, man, because Miles Johns, he definitely has the more experience here, and I, might, I would say he's the more well-rounded guy, but, man, 
His two UFC fights have been kind of suspect. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I kind of gave him a pass for that Cole Smith fight. You know, I made an excuse for him saying that, you know, Cole Smith, he's got that long body. He's kind of awkward and, and tough to deal with. But I was expecting him to come out much better in that Bautista fight. And that fight was a letdown too, man. So now I'm kind of like shaking my head. I'm not really sure what to think about Miles Johns at this point. But Natividad, what I like about him, he's one of these dudes that comes out there and will fight you. You know what I mean? He comes out there, swings big bombs. He's got some decent experience on the regional scene. He's very exciting to watch. So I would not be surprised if Miles Johns isn't as confident as he once was and Kevin Natividad came out here and actually sparked him unconscious. Uh, that's the kind of power Kevin brings to the table. But I, I do slightly lean towards Miles Johns. I think that if shit does get kind of sketchy standing, he might be able to mix in a takedown or two and kind of grind this one out. But if this becomes a tough fight, it could be a dogger pass situation. I'll slightly edge Miles Johns to kind of, you know, edge out a, a, you know, squeak out a split decision type win. Yeah, man. You know, uh, Miles Johns, I definitely think he was uh, a bit overrated. But at the same time, against this guy, not for that, man, I feel like I know I see a lot of people taking out for that. And look, he's a banger. He comes to fight. But I, I still feel like John's is, you know, somewhat comfortably still ahead of this guy, man. I feel like not not Tividad, my bad. He, you know, he, he likes to force the takedowns a lot. I feel like he's just not as experienced. And I know that Miles Johns just got knocked out, but I don't see not Tividad, you know, fainting. With, the, with those jump knees like Bautista or, you know, bringing those type of reads, man. I feel like uh, Natividad is just a, a, a typical, you know, Hawaiian banger looking to, to throw in the pocket. And I feel like Miles Johns, that's the that's the kind of style he kind of does better against, you know, like uh, when he fought Adrian Yanez, who's also on this card, or, you know, uh, some of these other guys on the local scene. Man, if, if the guy's just basic throwing power bombs at him, you know, he, he'll pick his shots, press them, you know, uh, hold him against the fence. So I see more of that happening. I see him, you know, maybe the first round being a little tough exchanging shots, but I feel like he'll, you know, care, uh, you know, you know, get, 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 I think like, honestly, Navidad, like, I think he forced a lot to takedowns and I know he knocked out uh, Kyle Estrada who uh, Giannis went to split decision, but I feel like John's man, I know people are down on him right now, but I, I feel like we can't, uh, we can't just for, you know, forget about, you know, the type of, the things we were saying about this guy, man, you know, we can't just jump off his uh, bandwagon just yet, man. I feel like he's going to have a good performance. I think he's going to brutalize this guy, you know, take him down and just be the stronger, more physical guy, man. I feel like, you know, Bautista is a lot better than uh, people give him credit for. So I'm going to go with Miles Johns. And next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Courtney Casey. She's nine and eight and Priscilla Cachoeira is nine and three. Currently, they got Courtney Casey minus 260. The comeback on Priscilla Cachoeira is plus 220. So, Shaq, you about to lay a minus 260 on a 9-8 fighter uh, in this spot? I mean, no, man. But, you know, I think uh, it's a great matchup. You know, Priscilla, she's coming off that vicious KO over uh, Shayna Dobson, Courtney Casey. I mean, you know, exciting fighter brings it. Most of her wins are by first-round finish. I, I can't, for, I can't uh, exactly remember the exact number of uh first round but i know majority of her wins except maybe like two or three are by first round finish um and then you know we know the deal when she goes to the decision you know courtney casey's a big liability i just feel like she's never really progressed man i feel like she's significantly overrated i know priscilla's one in three but to be honest man i feel like this is a, not only say misleading but 
I feel like just look at the style matchup, man. I feel like, you know, Priscilla, her first loss was against Valentina Shevchenko, the, uh, you know, current 125-pound champion. Then she fought, uh, well, especially the last two, Meatball McCann and uh, Luana Carolina. The the big difference I see with those two girls and and uh, Courtney Casey is Courtney Casey doesn't have any footwork. Courtney Casey is plotty. She likes to stand firm and, and like to throw. And I feel like Meatball McCann and Luana... Luana Carolina were on their bikes very well in that fight. They were moving all across the octagon. Priscilla brings a lot of forward pressure. I feel like Courtney Casey's going to stand right there. Uh, and I feel like, you know, Priscilla is going to outlast her. You know, the first round, she might take some shots. But I actually saw some improvement uh, in that last fight, man. You know, when she initially hurt Dobson, you know, in the past, maybe she would have got wild and carried away. But I, I saw a chick that was, you know, a little more calm. And, you know, she picked her shots, made that nice uppercut uh, read and knocked uh, Shayna Dobson out, man. So I feel like this line's super wide. There's no way in hell I would ever play Courtney Casey at a line like that. She's a habitual underperformer. Uh, and when, when fights get close, she she usually uses the only the only uh, close decision she's won is uh, one over Angela Hill, who also loses close decisions. We're all, we're talking about uh, a chick that lost a decision to Felice Herrig, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and there's plenty more as well. So I, I got Priscilla. I, I know she's had some uh, some a tough first uh, three fights, but I feel like now with that win, that 50K bonus, the time off, man, she'll come in this spot a little more uh you know, there's not that weight on her shoulders anymore to get that first win. And I feel like she's going to break Courtney Casey, man. So I, I got Priscilla Ketchewer. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't justify Courtney Casey being minus 260 uh, in this spot. You know, if it's a 50-50 fight, you know, a pick em, okay, slight lean towards Casey because of the experience, no big deal. But usually Courtney Casey beats fighters where, you know, they take her down. She can go out there, arm bar them like she did to Barella or like she did to random Marcos. But I don't see Priscilla coming out here and taking her down. I actually see Priscilla coming out here and throwing big bombs at her. And one thing about that we talk about with the women's divisions is power can sometimes override technique. And not that Courtney Casey has the prettiest technique, but I'm curious how she's going to respond when she eats some of these shots. So I see this fight, you know, this fight should be lined a lot closer than it is. So, and also, like, Courtney Casey's fight IQ is extremely questionable, man. I mean, not only does she go to her back a lot, but in that Felice Herrick fight when it's one-to-one -one going to the third round, instead of, you know, throwing punches, they're out here uh, throwing middle fingers at each other. So I just question the fight IQ, and for minus 260, I, I need some questions answered. So I'll go with Priscilla Cachoeira to get the biggest win of her career. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, we got a matchup between Dustin Jacoby, he's 12-5, and, and Justin Ledette is 9-3. and three. Currently, they got Dustin Jacoby, minus 350. The comeback on Justin Ledette is plus 290. So, just to be blunt, man, uh, Justin Ledette has not been the same since that USADA violation, and that's just the bottom line. I mean... You know, it's no shame losing to Rocket or Johnny Walker, but like now he's losing to like five and O guy, like random five and O average guys, like like Alexa Kamer. So I, I kind of think that you know whatever he was taking, he needs to get back on that stuff because he doesn't have the same confidence he once had. Yeah, like you remember his UFC debut against Chase Sherman. Uh, the guy's he's got some nice hands. Uh, he fought with a lot of confidence. He was almost like a heavyweight Diaz brother for a little bit there. And then the next fight, uh, you know, against Godbeer, he kind of did his thing. But then he popped, and the fight against Wu, 
Uh, that was a very average performance, and he's lost three in a row. One thing about Dustin Jacoby, uh, you know, he actually was in the UFC like 10 years ago, but he kind of wasn't quite ready, but now he is. You know, he actually went to glory. So this guy's a real striker. He can switch stances. He can throw flying knees. He can throw straight punches, hard kicks, uh, but he's got good takedown defense too. Uh, actually, he's been working on his submission ability as well. I just feel like he's in a better spot right here, man. Uh, he's going to be the more confident guy. And, I, yeah, Ledette's got some nice hands, but I, I see Dustin Jacoby just being the more well-rounded striker, light him up with leg kicks, mix in the head kicks as well. And I actually think that Dustin Jacoby can throw hands with Ledette as well. So I don't think he's going to get taken down in this spot. I see Dustin uh, Jacoby getting his first-ever UFC win. Yeah, man, I'm going to be a little shorter with this one, man. Justin Ledette's completely done, man. This is this is it's over with, man. Like, look, like you mentioned with the with the steroid thing and, and all that, but then just look at the last few fights. The Ratchet fight, I mean, 30-24 on all three cards, one of the one of the biggest ass whoopings in in light heavyweight history. Followed up with a, a vicious Johnny Walker, you know, spinning back fist knockout in Brazil. So, you know, we're thinking so going into his last fight because Alexa Kamora, I, I saw that from I told you from day one, kids, kid ain't ready for the UFC kid ain't, you know, that little flying knee he had on a contender series ain't shit. I mean, he just got. Uh, yeah, he just lost to my boy William Knight not too long ago. I know, but like the fact that Ledette lost to him just let me know. Okay, it's completely over because Alexa Kamora, firstly, should not should not be in the UFC. The only reason why he's in the UFC is because he's Stepe's boy, and 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 it's so like Alexa was so uncomfortable in the exchanges. All Ledette had to really do was open up, and he just wouldn't. I mean, he got kicked in the leg and made phases and, you know, complained to the ref about, you know, getting tied up on the fence. Like, Ledette doesn't want to fight anymore. Ledette wants to make his own deodorant. Go let him make his own deodorant and his own soap and, you know, you know his own toothpaste. Flat earth. And, you know, his own toothpaste and all that stuff. Because, dude, like, even when he was when he was a prospect, I mean, just listen to all that shit he used to say, man. He felt like the UFC owed him something. He he felt like, you know, he should have got more money and all this stuff. Like, dude's got a super bad attitude, man. Dustin Jacoby on the other side. Man, to be honest, I've been, for a guy that took all that time off uh, from MMA, man, uh, he looks real good to me. Even his grappling, too, man. Like, I see him attempting, uh, you know, chokes in the clinch. And, you know, we already know on the feet, man, it's not going to be too many guys that are more technical than him and i feel like he can just this simple just come out here use the factory x calf kick game plan you know come out here kick this guy in the leg we know he doesn't like getting kicked in the legs and we know he doesn't want it more than you dustin so you know i, I feel like dustin jacoby is pretty much a lock to win on saturday night i'm gonna say by nika you know, Justin Ledette actually landed 113 strikes in his uh, UFC debut versus Chase Sherman. He was riding high on that juice, but ever since then, he hasn't even landed more than 45 strikes in a single fight. So, man, he needs uh, he, he, got, he needs his he, stuff badly. He lost to Alexa Kamora. Enough said. <laughs> 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 now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Jason Witt. He's 17 and six, and Cole Williams is 11 and two. Currently, they got Jason Witt minus 140. The comeback on Cole Williams is plus 120. So, I, I mean, I think this is a case where Jason Witt, if he wants to win, he's got to get this to the mat, and Cole Williams has to keep this standing. I think Jason Witt's chin is extremely questionable. He's been knocked out four times. He's been finished six times. 
Cole Williams actually rocked uh, Claudio Silva in their fight, uh, <laughs> and then he got taken down right after. So I'm going to go with Cole Williams by first-round knockout. As long as he avoids getting grinded out here, I think he can touch the chin of wit and get him out of there. And he actually opened a favorite. The line flipped, so I'll side with Vegas on this one and take Cole Williams for the upset. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm going a, I'm to a just go on the opposite one. I, I, didn't, watch, I didn't watch tape on this one, uh, but yeah. Jason Witt, man, wow. <laughs> like, I mean, that debut was something else. I mean, I mean, like, that was expected, though, you know? like well, That's happened, like, four times. Yeah. And he, man, he don't even, like, he he just looks like 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 he should. Never, I'm not even going to say that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll just go with Witt, man. Let's just go into the next one. <laughs> you, you shot all over the guy, and then you picked him. <laughs> I mean... I mean, yeah, he rocked Claudio. Uh, didn't didn't he beat somebody? Did he like? I know he's got one win, right? Like, he beat somebody that we know, right? Cole Williams. Um, I I can't. Uh, Jason Pierce, who was ten and zero at the time. He didn't beat somebody. <laughs> Maybe that was somebody else. Something. No, he lost to Eric Wisely. Maybe that's. Oh, what you're he talking lost about. to Eric Wisely. Okay. Because remember when we saw he got subbed by Eric Wisely, we were like, "Oh, so Claudio is going to sub him for sure." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Damn. Oh shit, dude. I, I don't know. Let's just let's just move on. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Sean Strickland. He's twenty and three, and Jack Marshman is twenty three and nine. Currently, they got Sean Strickland minus three fifty. The comeback on Jack Marshman is plus two ninety. So this is a. This should be kind of a tune-up fight for Sean Strickland, you know, coming back off the motorcycle accident. He's been out for two years. Uh, Jack Marshman, I got a lot of respect for him. He's a Welsh paratrooper, so anyone that serves, all respect in the world for you. But I, I kind of feel like, you know, not that he's kind of digressed, but he's kind of just – he hasn't improved. Jack Marshman's just kind of been the same thing this entire time. Like, back in his Cage Warriors day, I, I feel like he was kind of – kind of a brawler but now he kind of tries to stay on the outside kind of run away and kind of eke out a boxing based decision and i felt like he lost to john phillips i rewatched that the other day and i still score the first and third for john phillips but john's got no one to blame uh, but himself for you know dropping the guy and then bowing and doing all this dumb shit but uh look sean strickland man if you can just come out here you know be yeah. consistent with real, the volume real quick, real quick how come they didn't pro promote jack marshman after his uh win over uh john phillips promote him how huh? <laughs> i'm just talking shit because jemiah beat him but <laughs> oh yeah exactly uh, well but yeah but jemiah smashed him uh john phillips uh, we all thought he we all thought john phillips won the fight against yeah. jack marshman you know what i'm saying but look sean strickland i mean as long as he can you know stay consistent with that jab pop the head back throw those straight punches just out volume he should win but look if he wants to take this to the mat, if he wants to make this easier for himself take this to the mat it could just take one takedown for the fight to be over shortly after but you know sean strickland has got a huge ego so he's probably going to come out here and try to stand and bang with uh jack marshman you, you know about strickland's reputation for being that guy that loves to spar uh like extra rounds he only likes to spar you know he likes to spar everybody so and it's funny because in the in the fights we see him as like kind of like a jabber so he's got a different reputation but you know his ego is huge so there's a chance he doesn't even shoot here but if he does shoot here it'll be a lot easier but regardless i i got sean strickland for the win he's got to be severely diminished to lose this fight yeah um 100 man you know actually my boy sean strickland's been doing some sparring with michael Ankalaev, you know uh in las vegas so 
you know, uh, he definitely has some balls when it comes to sparring, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, Jack Marshman, tough guy, you know, a, a, a Welsh banger, but there's been no improvement. And I feel like Jack Marshman was always like this. It was always a, a, a basic fight. I mean, look, he got his name to fame when he knocked out Magnus, but we know that Magnus Seedenblad was a USADA victim. I mean, just <laughs> big time. Just look at the... Like, just look at the, just look at the footage. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he went from beating like Christoph Jocko and like all these other Finishing Chris Jocko. (laughs) Like, and all these other guys to like, just his body was completely shit and done, man. So yeah, I think, and he retired, man. So, um, and then after that, man, it's been, he's been below 500. I mean, and then we know when he gets to the ground, I mean, Carl Roberson is out here, you know, dominating him on the mat, uh, uh, Antonio Carlos Jr., well, you know, that's understandable, a world-class black belt, but even Edmund Shabazian, you know, one takedown smash over, you know, rear naked choke. Uh, so I feel like Sean Shicklin, if he, like you said, if he wants to make this easy, he can, he can do that. But on the feet, man, it ain't like Jack really been swinging big bombs lately, and I don't really feel like, you know, I feel like some guys get a lot of credit for, like, this like mythical power that they have. And I feel like John uh, Jack Marshman is one of them. You know, I feel, feel like John Phillips falls into that category. Uh, there was another one like Daquan Townsend, like, you know, oh my <laughs> God, he hits. No, he doesn't. Like, I feel like Jack Marshman's power is super overrated, man. Like he, he hits average, man. And like, yeah, he's got, he's got some knockouts and yeah. If uh Strickland, you know, Strickland stands there with his hands down. But, man, if Strickland just comes out here and does what he did his last fight, you know, he said that his last fight was the first time uh, he didn't he didn't fight uh, scared scared for his life, you know what I'm saying? And I thought it was a, a super interesting comment because I think he said his contract was also up uh, before the Nordine Taleb fight. So this is a new contract. Maybe this two-year break is what he needed. I mean, this is maybe the time for Strickland to make a – uh, somewhat of a real run. I mean, you know, he's always had the talent, but he's always, you know, been just kind of, I don't want to say hot and cold. I mean, he's lost to all legit guys. It's just when he gets to the big moment, you know, uh, he usually gets his ass beat miserably. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he got knocked out against Eliza Zaleski. No shame in that. Lost to Kamaru Usman. No shame in that. Went the full distance in Santiago Ponzinibbio. So, yeah, man, this is, uh, this should be easy work for him. No, no offense to Jack Marshman, but, uh, you know, this is a tuna fight so we got to go with sean next up in the weight division we got a matchup between adrian yanez he's 11 and 3 and victor rodriguez is 7 and 2 currently they got adrian yanez minus 390 the comeback on victor rodriguez is plus 320 uh yeah uh, this is an exciting fight Shaq. at least these two are gonna stand and bang most likely till one man falls uh but the difference in the regional competition between the two is just astronomical. One guy was out here in LFA, you know, fighting guys who are now in the UFC. That's Adrian Yanez. And the other guy, Victor Rodriguez, was in that Alaska uh, fight scene. You already know the deal with that. So, I mean, what kind of chance do you give up Victor Rodriguez of getting this upset? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen too many good things out of Alaska. The only two people I know out of Alaska that, have winning UFC records are, are uh, Cannoneer and Lauren Murphy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but everything else uh, coming out of Alaska, 
we know the deal here. And yeah, I mean, his competition level has been real low. He just beat an eight and one guy on Fight Pass for Alaska FC, but that eight and one guy, I mean, that was a, a fraudulent, a very, you got to be careful with these records, man. There's a lot of fraudulent padding of records going on out here. And look, do it. I mean, get your, get your guys to the UFC, but. Freaking, there's a there's a lot of fake records out here, and that's one of them. You know what I'm saying? So, Adrian Yanez paid his dues on the local scene. Fought Miles Johns, you know, took a a, a split decision loss, and he knows what he's got to work on. He's got to work on his wrestling. He took a split decision loss to Domingo Pilardi as well. Got out grappled there. He's got to work on his grappling. And Victor, uh, you know that I guess that would be his base is the grappling. It's just that man. And Adrian's so much more ahead of him in the stand-up. I really see if Victor gets caught out there on the feet with him for any significant amount of time, I see uh, Yanez, you know, slipping something and eventually cracking him on the chin, man. So I got to go with Adrian Yanez by knockout. Yanez, in general, I think he's good. Maybe not as good, uh, you know, I don't think he's like uh, like a super prospect. I think he's just, you know, a solid guy. But, uh, you know, he kind of gets a little cocky, he might take a unnecessary big shot from time to time. So he's got to, you know, be careful with that. But against this guy from uh, from the Alaska Fighting Championships, man, he, he should come out here and get the knockout win, man. Just walk this kid down and let's see what he's got. He's never experienced anything like this. Matter of fact, this kid took a like a four year break uh, not too long ago. Uh, and then just came back, had a couple fights, then fought this this fraudulent eight and one guy. So, Yana should should uh, knock this guy out. Yeah, look, Yana's obviously he's got the more experience. He's got the cleaner strikes. Uh, actually, that left hook he landed out contender series one of the nicest left hooks I've seen in a very long time. Very very beautiful knockout. But we also know he's been the full distance as well. The level of competition this kid Victor Rodriguez has been fighting is completely subpar. And, I mean, look, he's handled all these guys, most of these guys, not all these guys, most of these guys. He's handled them accordingly. He's exciting. He comes to fight. Like, he's not, you know, going to quit or anything like that. He's He's got the heart. He's got the spirit. He's a warrior for sure. He's just not quite on this level yet. So I'll go with the guy I think is the cleaner fighter, the more experienced guy. That's Adrian Yanez. I think he gets it done in his UFC debut. Now, next up in the 155-pound division, we got a matchup between Alexander Hernandez. He's 11-3, and and Chris Gritzmacher is 14-3. and Currently, they got Alexander Hernandez minus 400. The comeback on Chris Gritzmacher is plus 325. So, Shaq, I, I know the fans that have to battle. Remember when we went out there and cashed that, I think, plus 150 to plus 160 underdog bet on Chris Gritzmacher to beat Joe Lozon. He got the 50K bonus, and then we never heard from him uh, ever again. But he gets to fight Alexander Hernandez. And, you know, Hernandez, listen, he's got some athletic tools, but, man, he kind of played out to be a complete and total fraud. And that's no disrespect. That's just kind of how I see it. I mean, look, the Benil fight was right right place, right time. I mean, you know, Benil was fighting for the wrong reasons. Benil was trying to pay off a wedding. Benil was fighting for the money that night. You know, you fight for the wrong reasons. You know what happens. But those two fight 10 times, and Benil's winning 9 out of 10 times. Uh, so props to Alexander for getting that one time, for catching him on the right night. But, like, dude... Do I the evidence I have that that fight was a fluke is every single fight we've seen since then, he's looked pretty damn bad. I mean that OAM fight was 50-50 and OAM could have won that fight. There were the swing round, the deciding round, OAM was on top. All he had to do was ride out the top position. Instead he drops back, goes for a leg lock, goes for a leg lock, gives up top uh, position and 
loses that fight. The next fight against Donald Cerrone, it's no big deal losing to a Hall of Famer and the guy with the most bonuses and the most head kicks, et cetera, et cetera. It's the fact that he was using all these big words. He talked himself up to a point where it was a demoralizing loss because he thought that he was, you know, God's gift to fighting. And when he got humbled like that, he hasn't been the same since. The Trinaldo fight was what we like to call a Texas decision. Hashtag 3026 Bosch. I mean, everybody knows uh, what happens when you go to Texas, uh, when you go be to the scorecards in Texas. Be, be careful in Texas. <laughs> I mean, dude, like, have you ever seen CB Dalloway versus Tim Bosch? Just watch that fight. You'll know exactly what I'm referring to. So Hernandez is from Texas. He got gifted a decision there. Then he fights Drew Dober, and he didn't get knocked out. Uh, he uh, said no mas. So I think Hernandez is not the guy that everyone thinks he is. It's just here with Chris Gritzmacher, we don't really know what to expect. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I don't know where he's been training. I don't know what the fuck he's been up to in these two years. I know that he's only he's one of two people to get kicked out of the lab, him and Mackenzie Dern. So uh, this is how I view this from at the betting window. You, you can't lay minus 400 on Alex, on Alex Hernandez. But what I will say is, this might be a live betting opportunity. You know, let Alex Hernandez come out here, win that first round, because he's probably the more athletic guy. And Chris Gritzmacher is the kind of guy that takes that ass whooping up front, eats every shot you throw at him, but you start to slow down on a guy like Chris Gritzmacher, and he will tee off on you. So let's see how this first round plays out. If Alex starts to slow down a little bit, might be worth a look at the live betting window on Chris Gritzmacher, but maybe, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe this is enough of a step down where Alex can come out here and win, but I, I kind of see it being a situation where Alex wins the first round. Second round is a little bit closer, and then Gritz wins the third round. So I'll go with Alex via you know a split decision. I think it's I think he performs uh, you know uh, less impressively than his minus four hundred price tag indicates, but I think he probably gets his arm raised. But it might be a live betting situation. So just uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know how he's managing his energy level, Shaq. Yeah, you know, man, I'm glad to see my boy Gritz back. You know that that uh. Joe Lazan beating was, I mean, that was a vicious beating, but you got to understand Lazan was coming off several hellacious beatings, the Stevie Ray hellacious beating, uh, the uh, Clay Guida hellacious knockout loss. I mean, there was, a, there was a couple other ones too. I just can't think of them right now. But, yeah, Hernandez, look, we know he, he wasn't what – I mean, look, he came out, he bum-rushed Darius with the fake handshake. Darius got a little upset and uh, he, he had a wild exchange and – and he got caught with his hands down. You know, it's like when uh, Tiago Mejeta fought Dave Branch, and you're like, "Wait, put your hands up!" Or uh, when Eric uh, Spicely. yeah, or when flukes uh, happen, or when Matt Brown fought Ellenberg, and you're like, "Matt, put your hands up!" <laughs> and then he gets dropped one, you know, right away. So it's one of those situations. But since then, like you said, been completely uh, just hasn't lived up to OAM. OAM, look, OAM decided to spend his fifty thousand dollars that he won from. Uh, knocking Evan Dunham out and he decided to spend them on two security guards and say what the Fox and Canadian gangster and all this shit kids head was completely out of it broken the fight had every opportunity to win so when we saw that I mean it was just already on go with Cerrone and Cerrone handled him accordingly and then the Trinado fight look Trinado yeah he could have done a little bit more but I mean, we the, the fight was in San Antonio, which is where he's from. So, you know, like, you know, he, he's grown up with that commission uh, since he was uh, since he was an amateur. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
but then you know uh the dober fight look those guys are definitely all above uh gritzmacher and gritzmacher is definitely not on that level but gritzmacher has is one of those guys like i kind of compare him to like at, at best a barberina you know where i feel like you know he might be like a super big dog but like against a couple guys here and there, like he can sneak up on them. You know, he almost look what bad. Not too long ago, I had like seven units on Davi Ramos against him, thinking it was going to be a first exchange knockout, uh, a first round submission. And, and Gritzmacher performed better. That got him a, 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 a extra chance uh, in the UFC, and he got his win. But you know, it's a tough fight, man. I, you know, I remember when Conor McGregor, because uh, you know Gritzmacher was on that season of tough. And he was fighting uh, Artem, you know. Conor McGregor was like, uh, <laughs> "I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend Chris Gritzmacher's fighting style to my to my worst enemy." But uh, you know, he respected Gritz, man. He said Gritz can take shots, and, and he can and he can dish them out too, man. But I, I think Hernandez is much faster. I, I I feel like you know he if you know this new camp change, you know he's with Factory X now. You know, maybe this is what he needs. You know, in San Antonio, uh, I see, from the sounds of it, seems like he was running his own thing. You know, kind of yes man. Uh, you know, yes man around him. I feel like maybe now that he's with the team, you know, uh, with Luigi Vandermini, Roy Val, you know, all these guys, all these good teammates that he has now, maybe some more structure. Maybe he has some direction. And he's not all over the place, at least enough to beat Grits, you know, just pe- pepper him, you know, uh, just touch. Because, you know, when you try to knock Grits out, that's that's exactly what he wants. But you got to forgive I can't forget, Grits is also coming off of ACL surgery himself, man. You know, that's why he's been gone for so long. He had ACL surgery. Uh, so he, he's coming in with the new knee. I, I'll go with Hernandez, but to play him at, you know, this line, man, is it, just – it's it's risky because he hasn't proven himself, man. You, I feel like it's one of those spots where you let him prove himself first. Like this guy has every single fight since uh, that Darius fight has been a letdown, and that's just the facts. But and, and Gritzmacher, you got to be careful fading him because like like he's a guy like Barbarina. Like if you disrespect him outrightly, like like he'll 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 make you pay, man. So uh, I'll take Hernandez for the win, but but it's a dog or a pass situation. And next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Bobby King Green. He's 27 and 10, and Tiago Moises is 13 and 4. Currently, they got Bobby Green minus 310. The comeback on Tiago Moises is plus 255. So, uh, man, it's good to see Bobby Green on a win streak. I mean, we've always known the guy's very talented, he's a very skilled fighter kind of felt like he got the short end of the stick on a couple of those decisions but now you know he's doing his thing three wins in 2020 looking to make it four in a row and uh tiago moises i know we've been kind of or i've been kind of critical of him uh you know in the past and i think i've finally figured out what the deal is with him so the guy kicks extremely hard he's got a black belt in jujitsu Uh, He's built. I mean, the guy is in very good physical shape, and he's only 24 years old. He's just a kid, so I expect improvements from him. But the area of concern I have with Moises is the mental. It seems like he can kind of get discouraged really easily. He's going to come out hard and throw some very hard kicks in the early going, but if Bobby can just stand up to him, 
uh, Tiago actually tends to shut down a little bit to the point where like he'll only throw like one strike a minute, you know, like a Michael Johnson fight. Tiago comes out throwing those kicks very hard and heavy. But as soon as Michael Johnson started letting his hands go, Tiago completely shut down and was only, you know, throwing the occasional overhand right from time to time. So I here here's here's what I think about this fight. So a lot of people are saying that Bobby's got to watch out on the mat. And I actually disagree, man. I think that Bobby's wrestling is actually very underrated. I mean, he just went out there with a jiu-jitsu champion in Alan Patrick and was out there slamming him, getting full mount on him. I actually would be very, very surprised if Tiago Moises, uh, you know, dominated uh, Bobby Green on the mat or even submitted him. It's been 10 years since Bobby Green was last submitted. But I'll tell you the one area I'm actually concerned in, man is that Bobby Green fights with his hands down and Tiago Moises actually kicks pretty fucking hard in that early going. So, man, as long as Bobby Green doesn't get caught with like a head kick or something like that, I think he should cruise here. He's the better fighter all across the board. He's the way tougher fighter too. So Bobby should win, but you're laying minus three something on a guy that fights with his hands down versus a guy that does hit pretty hard. So that's my only concern. But aside from that, Bobby should cruise here, and, and I think that he, you know, gives him honestly a vet lesson. I think he gives him a tour of the octagon. So I'm gonna go with Bobby Green here. Yeah, man, I love I love my boy Bobby. Been a big fan, of, you know, for for a very long time. And Moises, man, I kind of been hard on him in the past, but uh, before his matchup, uh, who was he? he was he had a fight not too long. Jalen. Yeah, with uh, yeah, Jalen Turner. You know, I watched his fights before, and man, the kid, like, dude, has been thrown into the fire. <laughs> like, he fought Dariush right out the gates. Uh, you know, he got a, a win uh, against Halaba, but then he had to fight Ismagulov in Russia, and then Michael Johnson, who, yeah, you know, like, Michael Johnson is is hot or cold, you know, got a bunch of losses, but at the same time, man, he's still been in there with pretty much everyone. So, like, for 24 Beat years. Pore and Ferguson. Exactly, man. So, like, for 24 years old, I was, like, coming to respect Moises just for the – I know he's had some embarrassing moments, but I know – I feel like he's been one of, like, kind of like uh, – uh, not comparing him as a fighter to Phil Haas, but, like, a prospect. Like, he's kind of been a highly touted prospect for a very long time kind of hasn't been able to live up to the expectations just because he's probably not ready mentally, you know. And But now I feel like at some point he might get there, man, 24 years old. And like you were saying, man, that right high kick, man, that shit is hard, man. And he's got power in his hands when he lets it go. It's just like he needs to let it go, you know what I'm saying? It's like – but I, 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 I see why he's not letting it go. It's because, like, bro, when you got Dariush in front of you and you're 24 years old, bro, like, you know, when you got Ismagulov in front of you and you're 24 years old, like, I understand why he's not ready for these things yet, man. I know he's had some fights, but it's going to take some more time. So I kind of cut Moises a little bit more slack than a lot, uh, a lot other people. And then uh, Bobby Green, man, we know Bobby Green can grapple, you know. I can tell you this right now. Moises ain't subbing Bobby. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Bobby, he can he can tangle with the best of them on the mat. We know Bobby can push a pace, too. But, yeah, like you said, he does fight fight uh, fight with his hands down. But at the same time, he's got a good chin. I mean, the only time he's been knocked out in the UFC is against Dustin Poirier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't really get dropped that much. You know, he rolls with the shots. He's got the head movement. It is danger, a very dangerous style of fighting. But 
Moises, in my opinion, doesn't have enough volume to capitalize it. I definitely got to go with Bobby, but it is a dogger pass situation for me just because I feel like at some point, I feel like Moises is going to hit a breakthrough at some point. I don't know if it's going to be against a guy like this just because Bobby, man, he's he's tougher than Moises, man. You know when Bobby starts talking to Tiago, you know he's going to start talking to Tiago in there. And you know Tiago's going to... You know, I don't know what he's going to say, man, because Bobby, he's going to be smacking him and talking to him. And, and, you know, so I hope he's ready for that. I, I definitely got to go with Bobby. But, you know, it is a big age gap. You know, sometimes these things kind of tend to go with the younger guy. I think it's like 10 years or close to 10 years or, you know, somewhere around there. But I, I, I don't see Bobby losing a fight to Tiago Moises. So I'll, I'll go with him for the one. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Greg Hardy, who's six and two, but uh, but he's actually seven and one because he knocked out Alan Crowder, and Maurice Green, who's nine and four. Currently, they got Greg Hardy minus three thirty. The comeback on Maurice Green is plus two seventy. So, uh, Shaq, uh, listen, Maurice Green's got a nice volume style at heavyweight, and I like his output. And he can give it. I'm just concerned about if he can take it. And Greg Hardy, he's been improving, man. He went the distance with Volkov. So you think uh, Greg Hardy uh, gets another dub here? Man, this is a good fight, man, because Greg Hardy, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, don't, uh, you know, always. I mean, but look, they tune in and watch him fight, man. You got to tune in and watch him fight. And Maurice Green, look, I, I don't think Maurice Green is very good. But uh, I think he's entertaining, you know what I'm saying? Six, seven, you know, uh, he likes to throw a lot of volume with the teeps, the low kicks. Uh, I mean, and when he gets knocked, when he gets knocked out, he, you know, it's kind of <laughs> entertaining as well. But, man, to be honest, bro, I think this is borderline a mismatch. Like, I, I, I know Greg has been point fighting, been point fighting a lot, and he's been sticking to the jab, and he's been kind of, playing it safe, safe-ish a little bit. But I feel like, honestly, man, this is just all a part of his developmental process. Like, look, when he first came in, he was wild. He was, you know, kind of sloppy trading. But then, like, progressively, you know, he needed to learn that, you know, that point fighting style just in case, you know, he needs something to fall back on if fights hit the late rounds. But from what I'm hearing, man, I feel like he wants to open up a lot more. And I feel like Maurice Green is the guy, man. I feel I know Maurice Green is six, seven and he's tall, but Maurice Green is weak to the body. His chin is weak. Uh, I feel like he doesn't do the right things outside the octagon. I mean, Tanner Bozer was saying before the fight, Buddy was out here drinking beers, you know, before his fight uh, with John Vellante. And, and and let's just talk about that fight real quick. I mean, John Vellante, that was like two John Vellantes, you know. It, it was it was John Vellante postpartum, you know. It was it, John John Vellante just came back from work from having his baby, you know what I'm saying? Like, John Vellante weighed like – Speaking of John Vellante, you know he's fighting the other fat guy, uh, Jake Collier. Who you got in that fight? <laughs> it would have been nice if they would have matched them both up against prospects so we could fade them <laughs> both, but I uh, guess they didn't want to do that. <laughs> they were like, let's have the two fat guys fight. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I feel like uh, I feel like Greg, man, is so much more capable than Maurice. Maurice has had every chance to prove that he's had talent. He just hasn't been able to. I mean, he barely beat Jeff Hughes. You know, he got the knockout win over uh, Junior Albini, who's no longer in the UFC. Junior Albini's out here, you know, beating guys in rash guards in, in, uh, in Serbia these days. You know, uh, then he's got uh, – and then the uh, – 
the Sergey Pavlovich fight, he got absolutely ran through it and tried to say it was an early stoppage. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then the Alexi Olenek fight, as a favorite, he drops the ball there. And then John Volante, yeah, he finished him. But, I mean, if you can't beat John Volante, the fact that you – I mean, he was up two rounds, in my opinion. But, like, it, it was just because John Volante's fat and slow and then, you know, could only throw here and there. But that third round before the choke was – disgusting and i just feel like greg hardy is a completely different caliber fighter and i feel like greg hardy is going to open up this weekend and knock this guy out man i feel like uh you know when maurice gets in close he doesn't like getting hit he's weak to the body and i feel like he folds and he's just and i feel like and the outside the outside the octagon things i mean just go back to the ultimate fighter i mean this dude was out here you know breaking glasses on my girl uh Penny Kianzad because he was so drunk and he was smoking smoking cigarettes, cigarettes before the fight like and you know he still does that shit man so it's like you know now he's out there in New Mexico with John Jones and them you already you already know what the deal is so you know uh I gotta go with uh Greg Hardy by vicious knockout man I I really feel like he's gonna put him away and I feel like Greg uh, you know, is continually ha- having a lot to prove. You know, the DeCastro fight, a lot of people are, you know, because DeCastro is on a two-fight skid saying, you know, Greg still hasn't fought anybody. But, you know, the, after he knocks out this guy, they'll, they'll still be saying that. So I got Greg Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, in Maurice Green's last fight, I didn't have any intention of betting him. But then uh, Jean Vellante showed up pregnant, 265 pounds. So I went ahead and laid the chalk on Maurice Green, and when I tell you he made me sweat that shit, I mean, yeah, he won the first two rounds, like you mentioned, and I like his output. Like, offensively speaking, he does have kind of like a nice volume style for heavyweight. He can mix it up, kicks, teeps, uh, straight punches, but, like, he just can't take it. And with Greg Hardy, you know, this is a very underrated guy because everyone doesn't like him for whatever, you know, for for that reason. Um, But I think he's very underrated, man. I think that he's been developing nicely when we saw him in Contender Series. He was just kind of like a first-round knockout guy, but now he's developed that point-fighting style. He fucking went the distance with Volkov less than 10 fights into his pro career. Like, that is serious. I mean, you see a guy like Walt Harris can't even go two rounds with Volkov. So I think that Greg Hardy is the real deal. I think every single time we see him, he's going to be making big improvements. So the first round maybe close maybe greg hardy gets the knockout in the first round but if this fight goes past the first round i mean greg hardy's gonna take over in that second and third but i think he probably gets it done before that man i'm gonna go with knockout here and as far as the volante fight is concerned that wasn't because you know maurice green's got this great jujitsu he got an arm triangle from bottom that was more so volante tapping to exhaustion um you know what i mean uh they uh they're they're about to you know pull the baby out in the, yeah, at that Joe, moment. Shaq. Say it was coming off maternity leave, bro. Like he, <laughs> he, he, you know, there was another, there was another, there was a twins in there. <laughs> they gave him the serum, and they're about to uh, get, <laughs> make uh, the delivery. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're, about, they're about to pop them. Up. They're about to pop them open, bro. <laughs> like they're about up. to cut that umbilical cord right then and there. You know, so that's pretty much what happened there. So I'm gonna go with Greg Hardy uh, in this fight. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Kevin Holland. He's 19-5, and five, and Charlie Ontiveros is 11-6. and six. Uh, Currently, they don't have any odds for this fight, but I will say this. If Kevin Holland is less than a minus 1,000 favorite, there is value here because Charlie Ontiveros, uh, firstly, he's he's six foot two. He's a tall guy, but look, he, he's, he's mainly a welterweight. He's been knocked out in all six of his losses, and uh, anytime he steps up, he loses. 
I will say this, he does handle guys with losing records nicely. I mean, he's highlight reeled a couple guys with losing records, so that's cool and all. But here against Kevin Holland, he is so outmatched to a point where, I mean, it's, does Kevin Holland want to come out here and play it safe and win a 30-25? Does he want to come out here and, you know, pull guard and get a triangle? Does he want to come out here and fly knee this guy? Kevin Holland can do whatever he wants to do here. So he could talk to this guy the entire fight and win this fight. So I'm going to go with Kevin Holland uh, via another uh, vicious finish, and I think he extends his win streak to four here. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, unfortunately, my boy Mahmoud uh, tested positive for the Rona, and now this guy has to has to take the consequences for it, unfortunately. <laughs> but he'll be back, man. Hopefully they match him up. Who, who's uh, who's another middleweight uh, can out there? Uh, well, initially they were going to match this guy up with Maluko, and I was actually going to max bet oh, Maluko oh, there too. <laughs> okay, so well, yeah, let's do that fight, Maluko. I wouldn't max bet Maluko. <laughs> it's a that. it's a Botchinovic situation. Let's <laughs> do Maluko and uh, this guy. Or yeah. I, I heard my boy Gerald needs a win. Let's get Gerald this guy. Gerald uh, Mearshart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see Gerald Mirshar versus Antiveros after Holland uh, handles him. I'm down with that. Man, the Mahmoud fight was going to be really good, and that was going to be a completely different matchup, completely different. But not happening anymore. I got Kevin Holland inside the distance. Now here's where it gets interesting. Shaq, co-main event of the evening. We got Bryce Mitchell. He's 13 and 0, and Andre Feely is 21 and 7. Currently, they got Bryce Mitchell minus 145. The comeback on Andre Feely's plus 125. I got to tell you what, man. I've been pretty impressed with this Bryce Mitchell kid. You know, his first two UFC fights, I was like, eh, I don't know. But the last two, I mean, this kid has been evolving. This kid's been feeling more comfortable inside the octagon. He's been dominating guys on the mat. Now he finally gets his camo shorts. But you know the deal with Feely. You have to be a basically a, a top 15 guy to beat him. I mean, you know, it, you see what happens when guys aren't quite on the level like Shaman Marais. They get stopped emphatically. But when you are on the level, when you are a Calvin Cater, a Sodik Yusuf, a Yair Rodriguez, you can pass the test with flying colors. So the question is, is Bryce Mitchell a top 15 guy or not? Man, this is a, this is a good fight, man. This is a good fight. So, you know, going into Bryce Mitchell's last fight, I mean, I know, you know, a lot of people weren't sure about him yet, but and he went out and he went out there and he got a 30-24 and dominate him. But you know, just a, a lot of times, man, just because you know he he comes off you know a performance like that doesn't mean you should erase those questions. You know, uh, I I feel like I still I feel like I've been I've been like somewhat high on him, but just not like. Like top fifteen, but now Philly is you know Philly's the ultimate gatekeeper at one forty. He is the gatekeeper at forty fives. I mean, you know, if you want your ticket to the top fifteen, I mean, bro, Bryce is already in the top fifteen, and I and I and I and I somewhat think it's a bit unwarranted just because I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, the Tyler Diamond, he's got wins over Tyler Diamond, which was a, a close decision. You know, Bobby Moffat, a close decision. Uh, you know, Charles Rosa domination and, and Matt Sales Twister. I mean, but none, none of those guys I just mentioned are even in the top 60, 70, you know, 80. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, um, man, Philly, I feel like uh, I'll get to it. But, yeah, Bryce, man, I feel like I still don't know if he can strike for three rounds if he gets if he can't get the takedowns. And, yeah, he's been dominating guys on the map, but I just have a hard time believing that. 
in my years of watching Andre Philly that he's about to come out here and just get dominated on the mat. I know early on in his UFC career, he got tapped out with against Pepe uh, with the triangle. And uh, but since then, I mean, he, you know, he's added the double leg to his game. We know on the feet, he has the long jab, uh, the right high kicks. Uh, he kind of leaves his chin up in the air. But I haven't really seen enough of Bryce Mitchell standing up. I just haven't seen it. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't do it, but I just haven't seen him stand up with anyone uh, on that can hold Andre Philly's jockstrap uh, when it comes to fighting, man. I just haven't seen it. I think all this is based on hype, and I don't want to discredit this kid. I think this kid has a bright future. It's just that now is when I'm starting to bring up these questions. Like, what happens if he can't take Philly down? Is he going to be ready to, you know, eat this jab and this right high kick and keep going and keep pressing? Because Philly's got very good wrestling. His jiu-jitsu ain't as good as his wrestling, but, I mean, he hasn't been subbed in over five years. He's fought black belt since then, like Honkron Diaz, and he's been on the mat with those guys, and he's held his own. So uh, I, I feel like Bryce is talented, but, man, I honestly am going to lean with Philly. I just think he's the more well-rounded fighter. My issue with Philly is just, like, when are you going to break into the top 15? You know, like, we've been saying it forever, and he just keeps, you know, uh, falling short in the, in their in their matchups that you know he kind of should win. Um, his last fight with Jordan, I honestly don't know how that was a split decision, <laughs> but you know, uh, even the round that he got dropped in, I thought he won, but it is what it is. But I just feel like Charles Rosa is a tough guy, but he, you know, he like Charles Rosa. I mean, bro, come on, <laughs> like you know, but the fight before that. Uh, he pulled off an arm bar to uh, Manny Bermudez, but he was getting smashed on before that. And, you know, his fight with Aguilar was ugly. Uh, and then just the opponent, Matt Sales. I mean, Matt Sales might not be in the UFC in a few months. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I just feel like the jury's still out on Bryce Mitchell. Um, I just feel like Philly should be the favorite, but, you know, we'll see. I'm going to go with Philly. I, I feel like uh, he's the better overall fighter, and I feel like he'll exploit Bryce Mitchell's stand-up. Look, he might be able to if he can keep it standing. If he can stuff these takedowns, then definitely he's got a big edge uh, on the feet. And also, you know, no one's exempt from that first L unless your name is Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, he he got he got out of this sport without taking that first L. Check retired twenty nine and no. So shout out to Habib Nurmagomedov. But uh, listen, man. Um, Bryce Mitchell's an interesting guy. I've been very impressed with the dominance he's displayed these last two fights. Um, I, I understand the level of competition. We can say what we want, but look how he's handled these guys. I haven't seen anyone handle Charles Rosa like that. Charles Rosa went to split with Yair Rodriguez in Mexico. Like I've never seen anyone run through him like that. I, that was I was like, holy shit. That was eye-opening. But those two fights, you know, the Matt Sales fight, those were on the prelims. Now he's got a co-main event. So this could be a coming-out party here. And with Feely, I feel like he consistently fights to the level of his competition man uh, he's a very talented guy he's extremely well-rounded his wrestling has been getting better offensively speaking but I, I, i've been seeing moments on the mat uh that bryce might be able to exploit like i'm not even going to bring up you know max holloway tapping him out or pepe tapping out tapping him out because that was a very long time ago but i will bring up uh, Yair Rodriguez blast doubling him twice and I will bring up Sodik Yusuf with that Kimbora attempt then also Sodik had a lot of top control in their fight so there's been instances where I've seen moments on the mat where a guy like Bryce Mitchell might be able to come out here and capitalize and I think this is a very carefully picked matchup they got him in there with the gatekeeper for a reason 
I think he's ready, honestly, man. So I think uh, he has his coming out party Saturday night. I, I'm not sure if he submits Andre Feely because that's kind of a tall ordeal. But I think he can at least get the takedowns for two of the three rounds and come out here and win this decision, potentially get a submission. But I, I think most likely a decision. So I'm going to go with Bryce Mitchell uh, to prove that the hype is real and then the, the real test begin after that. And I was actually surprised you said he's in the top 15. I looked it up. He is. He's ranked number number 15. So that I, I was actually like, well, shit, he hasn't beat a top 15 guy yet. But he beats Feely. He deserves that spot. So let's see what happens. I'll go with Bryce Mitchell here. Main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got a matchup between Uriah Hall. He's 15 and 9. And Anderson the Spider Silva is 34 and 10. Currently, they got Uriah Hall minus 230. The comeback on Anderson, the Spider Silva, is plus 190. Shaq, uh, you think uh, Uriah Hall is going to ask for a selfie and an autograph in the middle of the cage and high-five and hug, or you think he's going to come out here and try to knock him out? Man, it's uh, a good question, man. Uh, Uriah Hall, he's kind of been hit or miss majority of his UFC career. You know, so pretty much the majority of his career is like you never know what you're gonna get with him. I mean, he might knock the dude out, but he might get knocked out. You know, who knows? But man, these last two fights, uh, especially the last one, and you know, people can say whatever they want. You know, it, it was Carlos Jr., but at the same time, I mean, he was a two and a half to one underdog in that fight. Not too many people thought he was gonna win. You know, I, I gave him. I, I said he was gonna beat a uh, quit face Jr., but you know, <laughs> you know, but uh. And then the fight before that, uh, who was it, Bavon? Bavon, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, in the past, I mean, I've seen him fold in spots like that, and hey, he actually stood in there and he took it. But that, that Carlos Jr.'s fight, even though Carlos Jr. is on his way out and all that, I felt like that was a big step in the right direction for him just because, you know, in the lead-up to that fight, it just seemed like, man, the dude's actually like, you know, he's got like, he's not 100% negative. And, and you know, I know he said some – uh some interesting comments about Adesanya, but I feel like, you know, once again, fake news, uh, kind of similar to like a few weeks ago with, uh, with uh, Duran and me, you know, saying some shit about Nunes. Uh, I forget what she said, but fuck it. But, uh, you know, like Hall saying Adesanya is picking easy fights, but I, I take that as a good sign, man. I, I feel like what he's, what he's, it just means like at least the guy's got his eye on the game. Like for this whole decade, we've been saying, does Uriah Hall even want to fight? Does he even want to do this? Like at least the dude's like talking about the fight game. Like at least like, you know, it's some type of enthusiasm. Like I felt like for so long, this dude didn't even want to be in the UFC, you know? So um, I feel like he's somewhat turning in the right direction. Still, still the jury's still out on it, but I just feel like, man, striking wise, there's not so many dudes with the timing like Uriah Hall, with that type of accuracy like Uriah Hall. And, you know, uh, when you're fighting a 46-year-old guy, it's not going to take too much from Uriah Hall to put this guy's lights out. And, look, Anderson Silva has a way of making, like, when he fought Derek Brunson, kind of making dudes, you know, a little hesitant, uh, a little shy, you know, with those lights. But I feel like, you know, no crowd, man. That's the best recipe for Uriah Hall. You know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't got to hear, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people screaming their their asses off, uh, you know, all for Anderson Silva. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a nice little quiet arena where he can – you know, keep his thoughts. And, I, and another thing, man, 
uh, Anderson Silva, like, I know he's, he's making dudes hesitant, but is he throwing? Like, he ain't throwing, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all want, y'all want uh, Uriah Hall, you know, Anderson betters are hoping that Uriah Hall, you know, doesn't throw and, and they win, uh, and so they can win a, a somewhat controversial weaselly robbery type of decision, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And But he's not throwing, like, he, he's dodging and, he, and he's evading, but he's not throwing back, and, you know, he, he, I just feel like you're already at a big disadvantage, man. And I feel like, you know, now that uh, Uriah Hall's got, like, you know, someone like Coach Safe, and not saying that Coach Safe's this perfect coach or this and that, but just uh, someone with the game plans, because I feel like if he does certain things in this fight, he can make this somewhat easy. I feel like if he comes out here and kicks Anderson Silva's legs, I feel like he can start to sink Anderson very, very very quickly and eventually touch his chin and get him out of there. I don't see Anderson Silva being able to knock Uriah Hall out. I know Hall's been stopped, but I just don't feel like Silva poses those type of threats anymore at 46 years old. I feel like all he has is, his, you know, somewhat of his aura, but, you know, hey, if, I'll, if you want to bank on that, bank on that, but I'm going to go with the younger guy, the, the guy that, you know, pulled off a big upset in his last fight, who seems to be, uh, whose head seems to be a little bit more in the sport as of currently. You know, Anderson Silva did great things for this sport, uh, all-time great, uh, all-time GOAT, one of the top, you know, one of my top five GOATs in the sport of uh, MMA. So, you know, I feel like he's had a great run, but I just don't see a 46-year-old guy winning a UFC main event in 2020, man. I feel like he's had a a great run, but his chin has failed him. I mean, Bisping fight, uh, his legs have failed him numerous amounts of times. Like the Cannoneer fight, you know, I know Cannoneer just was in a number one contender match, but, and hear me out on this. And, and the, man, I kind of regret not betting Rob Whitaker last week because I could see it in the tape, man. I, I knew Cannoneer was not on that level, man. And I'm not saying he's a middle of the pack guy, but I just think Cannoneer is like a, you know, a uh, top, you know, seven, eight guy, you know, like, I, I know he's like top five now, but I'm saying like from a, a year from now, it'll be like a, you know, a top seven, eight guy as we're like, you know, I feel like he ran through Anderson easily, man. Like, I feel like, you know, everyone was saying this is a step down for him. This is a step down for him. You know what I'm saying? And he couldn't take the leg kicks, man. So I feel like his health's just not there, you know? So I'm gonna go with Uriah Hall for the, for the finish one, man. Man. So you know, Uriah Hall is like one of like those like video game type characters that I like to talk about, kind of like uh, Tyron Woodley, where like if you could get this guy to do what you want him to do, I mean, he can be an absolute killer out there. Uh, it's just that he doesn't always do what you want him to do. I mean, I, I thought it would be pretty easy to go out there and knock John Howard out. I thought it'd be pretty easy to go out there and knock Rafael Natal out, but Sometimes he just doesn't perform how you want him to. And these last few wins, but besides the Carlos Jr. one, because that was kind of like, you know, he's obviously got a massive advantage standing over Carlos Jr. So all he had to do was keep that standing and he wins that fight. But like these other wins against Bavon Lewis and Christoph Jocko, they've kind of been comeback wins where he's been getting dominated the entire fight. So he's not really controlling any of these fights start to finish. Um, but that being said, I mean, you're right about Anderson. He is getting up there, 46 years old. His body's falling apart on him. So, you know, you don't like to see it, especially from a legend like him, because I feel like some of the fans, 
don't quite appreciate them. Some of like the new fans that just started watching the sport in 2015 or whatever. Like you need to go back and watch his performance against Chris Lieben, his title winning effort against Rich Franklin, you know, the subsequent title defense against Rich Franklin when he knocked him out in Cincinnati, uh, Shaq, or even the Forrest Griffin fight when he was in the Matrix, the Vitor Belfort front kick knockout, which innovated uh, that that move in the game. You started seeing people the doing Chell that. Sonnen, um, the Chell Sonnen comeback submission one. Bro, the Chell Sonnen comeback, the, the Dan Henderson finish. I mean, Anderson went on a 16-fight win streak to start off his UFC career, and he was like this mythical creature. He was mm-hmm. unlike anyone we had ever seen before, man. Yeah, but, you know, that was like in 2010. <laughs> yeah, I know. So... <laughs> This is one of these fights. Don't don't listen to me on this one. You know what I mean? Don't don't listen to what I have to say here. Pretty much. Uh, basically, what I'm hoping happens is that they kind of have like a little bit of a five round sparring match where they're high fiving, and you know, if if Uriah gets a knockdown, he helps him back up and he bows, and you know, they they kind of bullshit a little bit, and then Anderson kind of goes out there and wins a split decision. You know what I mean? Uh, as long as Uriah doesn't pull the trigger, Anderson actually has a good chance in this fight. And there's been many fights where Uriah hasn't pulled the trigger. This isn't. This wouldn't be a first time thing. So, you know, I know gonna, Uriah. You know, he's gonna knock him out on accident. Yeah, probably. And it's gonna be really sad too. You know, uh, but I can't disrespect my boy Anderson and pick Uriah Hall against him, even though Uriah should be favored. He's ten years younger. He's trending upwards, but. I mean, Uriah is not the most trustworthy guy, especially at chalk, man. Like I said, a lot of these finishes against strikers have been like comebacks. Um, and sometimes he just stares at guys. So I'm hoping that he's starstruck here. Ask him for a selfie. Ask him for an autograph. Ask him to sign his T-shirt, you know, bows, does the whole bit, and lets Anderson come out here and win three of the uh, the five rounds. You know, I feel like, I mean, <laughs> so. I feel, I feel like this fight's like, Kind of like, you know, when they ask the fighters who you got, it's like Covington and Woodley. It's like, you know, they ask everyone who you got, Hall or Silver, and they're like, well, I'm hoping Anderson wins. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, man, Anderson was the GOAT, man. I I, I, I hope he <laughs> Yeah, same. <laughs> Listen, I'm not putting my money on it, but I, I hope Anderson wins, you know, and then puts his gloves in the center of the octagon, has a nice speech. Uh, he's normal, you know. You know, you know, so. you know, you know they're going to, uh, they're going to like try to mess up Uriah Hall's weight cut or something. Like. And they're going <laughs> to give him a wake up call like 5 a.m. every day of fight week and leave his bags at the airport, do the whole bit. You know, they're about to be calling his phone on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, like, there's going to be no running hot water in his bathtub, <laughs> so he's, his weight cut's going to be all fucked up. Oh, so. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, so listen, I'm going to go with Anderson, but don't don't tell me on this one. Now, Shaq, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC uh, Vegas 12? My fight to watch, man, is going to be that co-main event, man. Like, I'm really curious to see if this guy, Bryce Mitchell, is really, you know, going to solidify himself as a top 15 guy. Because, to be honest, I don't think his resume deserves to be a top 15 guy as of currently. But, look, if he comes out here and beats Andre Philly or finishes Andre Philly, just beats him, then he earns that ranking 100%. But I just I want to see this fight, man, because Andre, if he gets this one, that'll be a nice moment for him. He kind of drops the ball in, in big moments. So, you know, maybe finally this will kind of be like, you know, uh, somewhat of a signature win for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. For me, my fight to watch is Strickland versus Marshman. Look, Strickland's coming off a devastating motorcycle accident two years ago where he had to relearn how to walk. 
And I mean, I, I want to see him come out here and take care of biz. And, you know, Marshman, he's an experienced guy. He's had, you know, over 30 fights. So this will be a fun fight while it lasts. Uh, I think it's going to be entertaining, man. So for that reason, it is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 12? Yeah. My fighter to watch, man, is surprisingly going to be uh, Alexander the Great Hernandez, man. I mean, is anybody's career more riding on Saturday night? Than, I mean, not so many on this card than his. I mean, look, this is a big fight for him because, I mean, if he loses this one and, and let's say he gets stopped, I mean, where does he go from here? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, this is a big fight, and it will just be sad to see, like, a kid, you know, come out here, those first two fights, taking out Dariush, uh and OAM, you know, just three three of his first uh, four wins, OAM, Dariush, and Trinaldo. I mean, whether one of them was a robbery, a fluke or not, man, you know, it's still there's still wins for him. And it would be sad to see, man, a guy, uh, you know, just completely fall apart like that. And it would just be a, a bigger, you know, fact that, like, just because a guy, you know, gets a, a quick little knockout win, man, doesn't really mean too much, you know, uh, especially when you haven't when you've had the performances like that he has afterwards and then for grits i mean you know everyone everyone loves grits man you know <laughs> it's grits <laughs> for me my father to watch is greg hardy look this is his ninth fight inside the octagon and you know i always say with these guys with 10 or less pro fights you're gonna see big leaps every single time but for him he, he's a freak athlete so I want to see a statement Saturday night, man. I want to see him come out here and not just, you know, win a decision based off volume, which I'm fine with, too. I want to see him go out here and knock out Maurice Green. Not that I have anything against Green. I don't. But just because of the development of Hardy, the evolution in his game, I want to see that he's able to go out there and knock out a guy like Maurice Green. That's going to let us know that he's truly progressing. So for that reason, Greg Hardy is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Apex Hall versus Silva. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. And remember, guys, go to manscaped.com and use that promo code BATTLE20, all caps, for 20% off and free shipping. And you send us a screenshot of that, and we'll match it with the same price, uh, Best Five Picks package. So you go to manscaped.com, use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Send us a screenshot of that, and we'll match it with the Best Five Picks package at bestfivepicks.com. So thank you very much to all our fans for all your support. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.